How many love the word of the Lord? Let's go over to 2 Corinthians. I've been reading. Brother Roy, you've been reading 1st and 2nd Corinthians with me? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to begin. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Dean. Beautiful playing and singing today. We're going to begin in verse 5 and 6 today. I have a couple passages of Scripture to stop at, but for I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. This is Paul speaking. He said, but though I be rude, that just that word in original language means uneducated in speech. Though I be uneducated in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest amongst you in all things. What he's saying here is, I wasn't behind anybody. I didn't lack strength, didn't lack knowledge. I was, I was not behind the chiefest apostle. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. But that word wit means no one, nobody, or nothing. And then 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, he says, I determined to know nothing. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul took all of his knowledge. We talked a little bit last week, possibly 11 languages. Circumcised the eighth-day stock of Israel. Came from Benjamin tribe. He was a king. That was the king's tribe. He had all of these reasons to boast. And he said that. He said, of all people, I have a right to boast. But I choose not to boast. I choose nothing for Christ's sake. I lay it all down so that I may have or obtain Christ Jesus. And that word wit means nothing. He said, I suppose that I was, not, I was nothing behind anyone, but I traded my nothing for a greater nothing. I choose to know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, all that I have, I'll close the book on that, in order for me to know this, in order for me to know what that did for me and what that did for the world, that's what he's saying. So I ask you today just to help me preach for a little while. I will not be long. I want to preach the high cost of nothing. Jesus, we ask you to move upon your word and help us today in your precious name. We know that you can touch and deliver and set free. We ask you to use today's word as we know it's already anointed, for your word is anointed. It will not return void. We ask you to help us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. I'm typically working off an iPad, but this week was not uh, iPad accessible. So really what happened was I left my iPad in my closet and didn't charge it. <laughs> I had a moment. That's what I did. Please forgive me. Can I get some grace now? Is that all right? Oh, man, it's been a week. The fun thing about serving the Lord is 
When it looks like you're down to nothing, God's still up to something. Amen? And so whenever you have a hard week or you have a difficult assignment ahead of you or you have things that hurt or things that are difficult, you know that God's working. Can you hand me that, Sarah, that, that tube? Last week we were at Church in the Park, and I kind of started this Lessons from the Thorns series. And remember this? I brought this in, and I said, this is the answer to life. In here is the answer to all of the problems and the balance of life and the circumstances and the struggles. Because right inside here holds the key to everything you need to know about life. Does anybody want to guess what was in here? Who was here at Church in the Park? Amen. You were here? Yes, it was a yellow rose. And the reason why it's a yellow rose is because yellow roses mean friendship. Yes, they do. But also because they are the ones that have the most thorns at the store. So, you know, to fit the illustration, I had to buy a thorny rose, and that's how this turned out. The reason why I said this is the answer to everything in life is because you can't have beauty without thorn. You can't have the most amazing things in life without working for them. And work and the problems and the difficulties and the struggles of life, they bring pain. Amen? And I told you that the enemy likes to take you and focus you on the thorns and hide the beauty of life. You can have so many beautiful things in your life, but the enemy will tell you, well, look how hard it it took to get there. Look how much it take out, took out of you. Look at those, look at the problem that you have. Look at the thing that you don't, you don't have all of the, the great health that others have, and you don't have the wonderful money that others have, but you're just, you're just slaving away, working hard, trying to start that business. And you, you thought it was going to be awesome, but it ends up you're going to be working 20 years, 16 hours a day just to get that business going that you thought you'd love. And he takes away, the enemy always focuses on, on the thing that hurts the flesh, amen, the thorn that pokes you. So when you reach for beautiful things, I was saying, a lot of times you find out when you reach for beautiful things that you think you'd like to do as goals and dreams and aspirations, you only find yourself poked and damaged by the thorns of life. How many have ever done that? You reached for a relationship, you thought it would be a great relationship, and it turned out to be something that only brought you difficulty and pain. How many have ever been in a place where you had to lay down a beautiful thing because it just hurt too much to hold on to? Am I speaking to anybody yet in the room when we do this review today? Where there's hurt, there's pain. And where there's pain, there's something that damages. And where there's something damaged, you have to heal. And sometimes wounds don't heal very easily. And so the review is that the enemy and focuses on the thorns. He hides the beauty, just shows the thorns. The thor thorns most affect the flesh often, and that's why the Spirit comes to help us to walk in the Spirit because where the Spirit is, there is beauty. Amen? He takes your eyes off the thorns. God moves in, and he says, lift your head from where you're looking. See, your view is from bottom up, but whenever God steps in, he lifts us up, and he gives us a view from the top down. Amen? I just kind of feel like preaching that right now. The most beautiful things are when you walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. The things that you live on and the things that you live through become something beautiful by the power and the grace of God. But thorns 
Paul told us as what brought the grace that he needed because he had a thorn in his flesh. You remember he prayed three times and he asked the Lord to take away the thorn. He was focused too much on the thorn. He's like, I could do so much more for the kingdom. I could be so much more effective and I could have so much more beauty in my spiritual walk if I just didn't have this thorn in my flesh. And he he was talking about it in the scriptures we were reading and he said, I prayed three times, but the Lord just told me on the third time that my grace is sufficient for thee. My my grace is enough to cover your thorns. And he gave us a path that we have never seen in scripture before. And that is the thorns lead to sufficient grace and sufficient grace leads us to joy in the Lord. Amen. So we find the path here that we learned last week was that thorns, though they hurt, bring grace from heaven and grace from heaven brings joy to your soul and Jesus went through the thorns on the cross so that he could have the joy set before him to endure the cross and gain us and the world unto himself he looked at what was beautiful to give him joy while he went through the thorns of the trial and curse and and crucifixion I'm grateful for the path because I know my thorns bring greater grace from God. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Somebody said amen. And so we know that there's an abundance of grace that brings us joy, and we are supposed to live on the joy of the Lord. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God. We need it. We're saved by grace through faith. Amen. The scripture says you need grace in your life. And the backdrop of our weakness, he said, was made perfect in the strength and that grace. He said, I was praying and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. You remember last week, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so he said, I understand that the the strength of God, the raw power of God finds a place to work in my weakness. Amen. How many know he loves to work in the power of the right hand of Almighty God? How many know that Job said, if I can't find him on the right hand, I'll look on the left hand where he doth work in my weakness? Amen. How many know that the power of God needs a place to exhaust itself, to to outlet itself, and that literally in your weakness is the backdrop where God shows his greatest strength and visibility? In other words, when you are weak then, right there, at that moment, not when you feel better, not when it looks better, not when the bank account goes up, not whenever your stocks or bonds go up, not when your 401k is high, but when you are at your weakest moment, when you felt that you were the most down and out and beat up and beat down, right at that moment when you prayed and you asked God, Lord, would you step in and would you help me? Right at that moment, regardless of feeling, regardless of pain, regardless of hurt, regardless of thorn, God's power and his might stepped in and right there, at that moment, you were at your strongest in him. 
It is that change that we have to understand in our mind that the beauty of God is found in moments of weakness. I'm not talking about habitual sins. I'm not talking about things that you don't remove out of your life because thank God we can take out some thorns that were consequences of our own bad action. But in your weakness, it brings the raw power of Almighty God to work on your behalf when you're honestly praying. He was praying, Paul said, I'm praying to take it out because I have good intentions to do greater things. I want to see God's visibility in my weakness, yes, but I want to remove any weakness that the enemy could use against me. But if it stays or if it if I cannot lose it, then I trust you understand, brothers and sisters, that God's going to use it. Amen. If I cannot lose it, if I don't if I don't see God taking it out of my life, then I know that God's grace is on it. And in this thorn series, I pray that you understand that Paul had no reason not to be strong in the Lord except for this thorn. The thorn kept his pride in check. And God hates a proud look. Amen? A haughty and a proud look the Lord hates. He wants us to walk humbly before him. And so in 2 Corinthians 11, 5-6, he says, I determined to know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified. The thorns brought him to a place of usefulness in the hands of God. Do you understand with me that we not only, we not only have roses that have thorns, but we have to understand that the thorn was designed for the protection of the rose was to ward off animals and other things that would eat the rose or to lengthen the life of the rose, there was thorns placed. And sometimes our spiritual walk is lengthened by the fact that God hasn't removed a few thorns. Maybe there's some things in our life that we've had to deal with or walk through, and maybe you've had a broken body and you've had to deal with diabetes or sickle cell anemia or something, and you've prayed about it, and you've asked God to touch it, and you've asked God to remove it, and it's still there. I want you to know that your spiritual life is lasting longer, that the enemy cannot attack you as strong as he wants to because of the thorns that God has left and the grace that it brings in your life. There's a protection in the thorn, brothers and sisters. It keeps you drawing yourself back to God. It keeps you saying, I'm not strong enough to do it on my own. It keeps you pulling your heart back to God. Whenever you realize that there are, there are thorns and problems, when there's difficulties and there's struggles in your life, know this, God uses it to draw you back to him. Because that is the point, brothers and sisters. Not that we get the wider house or the longer car. Not that we get the blessings or the, the different things that we want to have or see and the plans that we lay out and hoping that God will honor those plans. Not so that we can see all the things we want to see, but that through all of these things, we are pointed back to Jesus Christ and the cross where he was crucified. I pray that we understand that in that Second Corinthians verse that he's saying, I just determined that I don't know anything. Would you help me, media team? 2 Corinthians 11, 5 through 6. Verse 5 reads this, For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. I suppose I, I didn't do anything. You know, I don't know if you know, but Paul was not uneducated. 
in order for you to be and learn what he learned and be where he was before his Damascus, his road experience on the road to Damascus. Was it Damascus? Sorry, my brain's not working. <laughs> when he got knocked off that donkey, I did not read this part of the story. Guess I should do that. I read everything else before I preach it. But, but we have been through thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. In other words, he's saying I was uneducated in my speech towards you. I had a thorn, and it, most people believe that it was something to do with his eyes because of this Damascus Road experience, that he was not pleasant to look at in some way. There was some thorn that, that would make him look as though he was less than the letters that he would write. He would say, I wrote you powerful letters, but I am just as powerful in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost when I'm among you, even though I look uneducated or I speak uneducated. I don't speak with eloquent words of men, he's saying, but I am displaying the power of God. So whenever you come into the house of God or when you come into a place of weakness, know that that's a place for God to display himself in your life. That's a place for God to show his power and authority. And I don't know if you have a high education here or you're listening online and you're, you're very educated. I want you to know that the display of who you are and where you've been and what you are will not move the soul of man like the demonstration and power of God in your weaknesses. Whenever you stand up and you be vulnerable and you say, I don't have it all together. I don't have all of the things, boxes checked, and I don't have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted, but I want you to know I do have one thing right. I have a prayer life in the morning or in the evenings. I spend time with God in his word, and he speaks to me. I know that I walk with God, and he's making beautiful things in my life. And so that is what Paul was trying to communicate in 1 Corinthians 2.2 when he said, I determined all of these things. I looked at everything and I count it all as rubbish. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't know if you know, but this rose, most people like red roses over yellow roses, but this rose has no thorns. Most of the roses that you buy from the store they have no thorns because they've been genetically altered to remove the thorn. And I'm wondering if maybe we don't realize, but in our weaknesses, in those moments of thorns, when we bring those to the Lord, sometimes they're there to stay, but a lot of times God is using them, and when he's done using them, he'll remove them. And the Holy Ghost begins a work in you. And that Holy Spirit work starts to work on the places where you're prickly and where you're thorny, and where you need to be changed, and where you need to be uplifted, or, or, or you need your, your life. Well, I've, I've, always been, uh, I've always been difficult. Well, the times have changed because you now have the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is working on the inside to make you better on the outside. I've, my family's always had a temper. Well, guess what? God is genetically altering you and removing some thorns in your life by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying your DNA, but I'm saying 
saying your spiritual DNA starts to change whenever you become in a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you give your heart over to him, beautiful things start happening. And as beautiful things begin to happen, he starts to remove the thorny things and he removes the difficult things. He takes out your heart of flesh and puts in a spiritual heart for him. He gives you the desires of your heart. No longer do you run after the things that can damage you or hurt you, but now you can take hold of beautiful things and you do not have consequences. You do not have setbacks because the things you're reaching for are beautiful and they're in Jesus Christ and they have no pain and no suffering and his load is easy and his burdens are light. There are things that change in your desires. You don't want the things you used to want. You don't want to go to the places you used to go. You don't want to be at that bar anymore, hang out with those friends anymore, or do these things or that things, because God puts a desire in you for the things of God, and his word becomes beautiful to you, and the word priest becomes a rhema in your life, and you want to be in the house of God on Sunday morning, because it encourages your faith, it reminds you of your grace, amen. And There's nothing more beautiful than Jesus to you. And then you know that you can get through some things because the places where there used to be thorns are gone now. They're not there anymore. There's still beauty, but the places that used to be thorny are gone because Jesus removed them for you. And that's why Paul says, I determined to know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified because at the cross is where I got the grace for the thorns that I live with. And at the cross is where I got the grace to walk into newness of life. And because he didn't just die and stay in a tomb as a dead religious figure, but he got up on the third day, that power of the Holy Ghost and that resurrection life lives inside of me and it's taking things out of me that make me a better person. Amen. Someone. And so in the scriptures in Luke 14, 26 and 27, Jesus said, if you lose some things, I want you to know that losing those things are important to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. He said, if any man come after me or come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children. Is that really in the Bible, Pastor? Yeah. That word hate in the original language means to love less. To love less father, mother, wife and children and brother and sisters. Yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Does anybody know a cross that you bear? Does anybody know what it's like to bear a cross in life? If you don't know, I want you to know that when you're bearing a cross in life, there's only one destination, and that is to go and die with Christ Jesus on it, to literally to lay down your life and to give over to Christ. The word hate, obvious, is, is missio. It's a verb meaning to love less. I have to love less everything else in my life. I have to be willing to lose everything else in my life to love Jesus more. That is the message of that. 
that moment in scripture. He was trying to tell them, you have to move into a place where I am the most valuable thing to you, and that is where you find a greater love in Christ Jesus. There's so much going on in the scripture there in Luke chapter 14. He says, I'm making a banquet and everything is ready. And go tell them and invite them in. And the person that is in charge of that, the servant, he goes and he invites everybody in and they start making excuses. In verse 17, you can read it for yourself in Luke 14 and 17. He sent a servant at supper time to say to them that were hidden, come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. They're like, that's not as valuable to me as the thing I need to go do. The first said, I have bought a piece of ground and I bought... And I must need go and see to it. I pray that you excuse me. And there's different excuses. One bought oxen. Another has been married to a wife and therefore cannot come. And so the servant came and he said, Lord, these things have happened. And the master of the house being angry, he said to the servant, go quickly to the streets and and uh, lanes of the city and bring in the hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. He said, go get the ones that don't have an excuse. Go get the ones that don't have a value system that's higher than being at this banquet. And then he said, and the Lord said unto him, his servant, go into the highways and byways. If that doesn't work, and the servant said, well, we did that, but we still have room. He said, go into the highways and byways and compel them to come into the house and be filled, and I say unto you that none of these men which were hidden, or none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And the disciples are like, what, what, what is going on here? What, why is Jesus saying all these things? And Jesus gives them the value system that he requires of his disciples, and that is you must love me more than you love anything else. You must lay down every excuse. You must set aside every thorn. You must not look at what life has given you, but you must look at the things that you're being offered. You must look at the spiritual blessings that are going to come in your life by continuing to walk with the Lord. Amen. I feel like sharing with you today that there is a blessing in walking through the thorns. Amen. That whenever you go through the garden of God, you will find that there is a beautiful resurrection apparent in your life and you'll see things coming back to life. You'll see things coming out of dark places into light. You'll see God doing things that are powerful and the Holy Ghost will change you and change the circumstances around you and he'll do it according to his beautiful plan if you value the things he invites you to. And today I am inviting you to a walk with God to sit at his table which is prepared 
cared for you even in the presence of your enemies, amen? That there is a place spread out for you that is beautiful and is ready and God is calling you and saying, come out of the battle. You can't live fighting all the time. You can't live living in a, in a, in a mindset of warfare all the time. I don't care where this world is at right now. I don't care what we're going through right now. I don't care what they say is going to happen or will happen, brothers and sisters. And I don't care if I lose my voice saying it. I'm going to tell you this right now. You've got to stop at the table of the Lord in the middle of the battlefield. You've got to stop and look at the beautiful things and the settings he's put before you on the table to show you that he's moving you to victory and to beautiful things. You lose the nourishment, brothers and sisters. You lose the fellowship with the saints. You lose the ability to come together and enjoy each other's company when all you do is fight the world in front of you. You have to learn that God's beautiful design for your life is that you go out but then you come back to the table. You go out and you preach the gospel, but then you come back because there's bread in the house of the Lord, amen? You go out and you do what you must do to win and to be successful, but then you come back and you're nourished on the day of rest. We still need a Sabbath in our life, brothers and sisters. We need the rest of the Holy Ghost, for this is the rest wherein you should rest. It is the Holy Ghost that we need in our life to keep things beautiful. Thorns of affliction, sin needs to be prayed over and sought after God for, for his grace is sufficient, but we should not use it as a license to sin, brothers and sisters. We should remove the thorns that we can with God's help through prayer. And he doesn't identify the thorn. But he said, there are some things that people are going to have excuses and they're not going to come to my table. They're not going to be fed at my hands. But I want you to know that likewise, he says in verse 33, likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. In verse 33, he said, forsake all. That is the thing that we must do. We must forsake everything in order to have the beautiful things of God. And so I'm trying to wrap this sermon down, and I want to tell you that there is something beautiful happening right now in your life. There is a table spread before you even in your worst circumstances. There is a God who walks beside you, and he does not give up on you. He does not forsake you. He leads you, and he guides you. His lamp is at your feet, guiding you on your path. And when you make your plans, he establishes them. In other words, you make the best plan you can. You set out, and you make goals and vision, and you do your vision. But whatever you do, you do you. And that's what I mean. I only mean that you make your plans. And when you make your plans, then you submit them to the Lord. And he said, 
that's nice, but let me show you something more beautiful. Let me show you a way. And he wants to direct your life, but he can't direct you if you're not moving already. So you've got to make a plan. You've got to have some goals. You've got to have a place you're headed to because as you take a step, as you're in motion, he goes, don't step there, step here because he establishes the steps of a righteous man. In other words, he's saying, I want to make your life beautiful, but if all you do is go after what you want and you don't submit it to me, I cannot establish where you put your foot and I want to make it a place that's sturdy. When you put your foot down, you're walking, you're continuing, you have purpose, you're moving in a direction of beauty, not of curses. You're going towards something that will better you. And as the prophet and prophetess, Tim Buck three said, <laughs> the future's so bright, <laughs> you got to wear shades. <laughs> Corny joke number one, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so I, I don't always have corny jokes in my sermons, but I felt like maybe you'd fall asleep a little bit, so I want to make sure you were awake toward the end of the sermon. <laughs> Thorns are only mentioned four times in Scripture. Matthew 27 and 29 says, And then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. This is at the cross. Everybody say the cross. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. Then it's mentioned, thorns are mentioned again, Mark 15 and 17. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. Again, these are the gospel representations or gospel record, recorded areas. John 19.2 said the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe. And John 19.5 says, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. The crown of thorns was a different story, though, because from that moment to this, it is the place where Jesus removed the thorns from his church and said, I will take them upon me someday. And if I don't take them from you, I will use them for you. And I put them on my head as a crown of glory. In other words, the thorns will bring him glory, is what he was saying. The crown of thorns that was placed upon his head. I don't know if you know much about human anatomy, but there are a lot of capillaries in your forehead. And if you ever hit your forehead on anything, you bleed profusely. Amen? Because the skin is so close to bone there. And it, when they placed this crown of thorns on his head, he would have literally turned red from all the bleeding. And it seems gruesome, but I want you to understand that there is a picture here. Instead of the thorns meaning nothing in life. The picture is that the thorns become a crown in the next life, that God uses everything that is difficult. You're not just in a waiting room. You're not just hoping that it turns out okay. God is literally saying through the cross and the crown of thorns that they mocked him with on the cross, that he's going to trade in those thorns for something beautiful over there, and your future is bright in Christ Jesus, because in that city is a 
city where the lamb is the light. And there is no more thorn. There is no more pain. There's no more funeral director. There's no more place of loss. There's no more place of disease. Every thorn is wiped away. In other words, the Holy Ghost is leading us to a place where thorns are going to be completely removed. And we will someday stand in the city where God is the light. And we will recognize that the throne, the the crown of thorns, the, the things that he wore in his life will be considered a crown of glory and splendor. Isaiah 62 and 3 says this, you will also be considered a crown of glory and splendor in the hands of the Lord. <laughs> he will take everything that was bad in your life and he will turn it into something beautiful when you get over there. If you have a crown of thorns in your life now, if you have something that lives in your life that just seems to bother you in your mind and will not go away and seems to plague you and you have a hard time falling asleep because it comes to you in the night, I want you to know that that crown of thorns that he placed on his head, eventually it becomes something that is in his hand as splendor and glory, the scripture says, and a royal diadem or exceedingly beautiful it will become exceedingly beautiful in the hand of your lord this is the scripture again you will also be considered a crown of glory and splendor in the hands of the lord and a royal diadem or a scepter of exceedingly beautiful or being exceedingly beautiful in the hand of your god in other words every thorn becomes beautiful in him. And so I tell you that today, that this may not be the longest message I will ever preach. And it may not be the one that really touches every single scripture that I wanted to read today. But I want you to know that there's a high cost to the cross. There was a high cost to that crown of thorns that he wore. And when he was telling the disciples in the scripture that I wanted to finish with was Mark chapter 10. And in this entire passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's dealing with a matter of those that have the ability and those that have the strength and those that have the, the, the mind and the power to, to gain riches and he's saying these people seem like they have less thorns in their life. They seem like they have all, no problems and they have no difficulties, but really they do have a lot of thorns. But he said how, in verse 23 of Mark 10, uh, he says, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He's saying because they easily lean upon their riches and they don't lean upon God. He's saying that the thorns are, are meant to drive you back to the Lord, but I want you to understand that the disciples were dumbfounded. They were astonished at the words of Jesus in verse 23. They're like, how is it that these guys with their, with their iPads and their daytimers and all of their schedules and their uh, passive flow of income and their, and their side jobs and all the stuff they have going on where they're rich, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? If they are the successful ones and they can't get in, how are we going to get in? And Jesus says, children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And I realize there's a gate into Jerusalem called the eye of the needle. And then the gates close in the evening. You can take your camel through that side gate, but you have to have the camel kneel down and, and crawl its way through the gate. It's a very difficult process to get into the city of Jerusalem after the gates close. And he said, you can get in, but it's very, very difficult because you so easily trust in your riches. And they were, were astonished out of measure and saying to themselves, who then can get in or who then can be saved? I don't think he was talking about that gate in Jerusalem because it doesn't say the eye of the needle. It says the eye of a needle. I think God wanted you to literally envision that you'd have to cram something through some, the, the, the eye of a needle to get into heaven if you, if you trust in your riches. But then after he's saying all of this, they said with men, they said, How, who's going to get in? And God said, with men it is impossible, but with God, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. So when I say the high cost of nothing, I'm not saying there won't be people that don't make it to heaven that are rich. But I can tell you this, they have to, they have to do it through God because with God, all things are possible. They can't do it on their own trust and their riches. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all of and have followed you. Here's, here's the principle. He's like, you taught us, Jesus. You taught us we have to leave all. And, and we left all. We, we left everything. We left the boats in the harbor. We left the nets in the boat. We did everything we were supposed to do. We followed you. That is the principle. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Everybody say the gospels. The good news of God. But have he shall receive a hundredfold now and this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with, with persecutions and with the world to come eternal life. He said, you're going to get it all back. You're going to get it back in this life. If you leave it for my sake, I will give it back to you because God is willing to give back a hundredfold. Amen. Everybody say a hundredfold. That is what God requires. He, he requires that we leave all. But in leaving all, he says, I'm going to give you back. It's a high cost for nothing. It's a high cost to leave it all, he says. But when you leave it all, when you make me first, when you put nothing between me and you, when Jesus is literally the thing that is, you, is your pursuit, he said and nothing can get in your way. Not mother, not father, not anything. No one can sway you. No one can take you off of the path. No one can make you walk away from Jesus Christ. There's no circumstances. There's no situation. There's nothing that can keep you. You don't have a criteria on your walk with God. There's never a point where you go, well, if this happens, then Jesus must not love me and I'm going to walk away. If there's never a criteria where you say, I will leave you if this happens to me, if you remove all of that and you take it away and you leave everything he says i'm going to give it back to you a hundredfold but many of these he says you're going to get in this life and the next eternal life he said but many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first and he says i'm going to go to jerusalem if you read on through that passage of Scripture, it says, I'm going to Jerusalem, and they're going to mock me, and they're going to whip me, and they're going to scourge me, and they're, and they're going to condemn me and to death and, and deliver me and kill me. To, and he, 
deliver me to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall, this is verse 34, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. He's saying, I'm going to go through some stuff. And they're like, no, Lord, this, this is not what the plan was. We weren't supposed to do this. And he says in verse 45, let's go to verse 44, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. And then he says in verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to minister unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He's saying, I'm going to put on a crown of thorns. I'm going to go to the cross. And it's going to look like nothing. It's going to look like everything is collapsed. That everything we were hoping for, the, the, the kingdom of God coming to earth, and they were thinking, oh, this is going to overthrow the Roman government. All of these things that they were thinking, they're thinking, it's all going to work out. Jesus is working miracles. Blind eyes are being opened. Deaf ears are being unstopped. All of these beautiful things are happening. And now he's saying, we're going to go to Jerusalem, and he's going to die. And when the cross was lifted, and he took his last breath, and he said, it is finished. He did the work completely right there for all time, brothers and sisters. It wasn't just a cross of a criminal. It was an innocent man, God in flesh, dying on the cross for you and I with a thorn, with a crown of thorns on his head. And it wasn't a moment of nothing. It was a moment of everything. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? This is the high cost that he laid down his life. So when it looks like nothing in your life is happening, when it looks like nothing is moving, I've come to preach to you today on fire from God. God, that there is something still working in your life right now to change everything because this thing was planted in history to prove that when it looks like nothing, it actually is everything that is beautiful and is gruesome and is ugly and is disgusting as that Roman torture device was. We now don't call it just the cross. We call it because of the thorns. We call it the beautiful cross because that is where he bought all of us that is where he bought the world that is where he saved us from our sins it was the high cost of having nothing between us and God it was the high cost of grace falling on the world it was still the beauty that he meant and was purposed for he died with the high cost of nothing. And because of that, we can be baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus and have nothing between us and, Jesus, and God. Because of that, we can be a vessel of God and be filled with his spirit and have nothing between us and God. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to go through any vessel. We don't have to go through anybody else. When we need something, we can go straight to heaven. We can go straight with our prayers to God. It was the high cost of having nothing between us and almighty God. That is what this story is all about. He has altered the world by the power of the thorn and the cross. Would you stand with me today?
That's a beautiful representation. The rose and the thorn, Jesus and our sin. We were set free. We were set free by something that looked like nothing. And when it looks like nothing, hear me one last time, when you're down to nothing, as long as you have a hold of Jesus, there's something still going on. He's still working, amen? If it isn't become beautiful yet, it's because he's not done with it yet. Because that's the testimony of the cross. When it looked horrible, there was still a resurrection on the other side. And some say the only scars in heaven are going to be Jesus's. But I wonder if maybe today there's some things in your life that you have been struggling with. There's something that you have felt in your own physical body or maybe even in your own family. And you're like, I don't see it moving. I don't see anything happening. I've prayed about it. I know God's got grace for it, but I just haven't seen it move. I wonder if you would allow God some grace in this moment right now to trust him with it again. Would you bow your head with me and would you pray, Jesus? Just pray this with me. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. Just say those words. Just say it again. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. I give you my all and I want you to be everything to me. I feel... You can say this, I feel like there are some thorns, but I want to surrender them to you today. Let your grace fall on me, Jesus, and make me beautiful in you, I pray. In Jesus' name, if you prayed that, I believe right now that God is going to work in your thorns, and he's going to remove things out of your life that you have felt like they haven't moved, that they've been just stuck in your flesh. They've been stuck in your life. They've been stuck in your heart. And God's going to remove them today, and he's going to make something beautiful out of it. Would you take a moment of prayer, or would you sit and just contemplate, or would you do something to respond to the word of the Lord today? Don't leave here without saying, Jesus, I take a minute. To, to pray over these things that I've heard. Thank you for the cross that tells me that nothing is actually everything in you. And if I see nothing moving, God is still at work. Would you receive that today? Come on, let's pray together. Let's sing a song to help us. But God, help us to release the thorns today to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Come on, someone needs to leave all. Someone's been in your way too long. Something's been standing in the way. If there's been an idol in your life, if there's been something between you and Jesus, it's time to lay it down. I know it may feel hard to lay it down, but would you come to the altar today? Come on. Let's come to the altar and let's respond. Step out and walk down today and make something beautiful out of a place where there were thorns. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Lord, let prayer break out all over this sanctuary. Let people lay down thorns and pick up the beauty of what you're doing in their life. We know the high cost it took for you to lay down everything. You died young to give us long life. You died young to give us eternity. You rose again because you're stronger. 
You rose again because you're stronger than my thorns. You put resurrection power in my life so that I can walk away from things that keep plaguing me. I'm asking you today, Jesus, to help somebody walk away from an addiction, help somebody walk away from a thorn that's in their life, help them to walk away from something that's troubling them that has continued to come back again and again and again. And while your grace has been on it, give somebody strength today to lay it down in Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. strong. 